because I was in prayer and meditation of today, as I was seeking the Lord, God, what do I tell your church today? I mean, this is beyond my capacity because we're stepping in another house where we're coming together with people we don't know. It's different when I know you and, I, and we walk together in life. It's a little bit easier for me to come to you and say, brother, I know what you're going through. And so this is what I have to say from God to you to help you. But when you step into the presence of people you don't know, what do you say? Let me tell you this. The only thing you can say is what God reveals to you in spirit. And this is what the Lord told me. And it's not just about the people that we don't know. But God told me this about today. There are people here worshiping, you're praising God. You hear you're dressed up, you got your hair done, maybe you bought a new outfit because you knew you was going to another church. I don't know. <laughs> but this is the word. The Lord told me there are people that feel weak. And I want you to remind them that I am their strength. Amen. I am your strength. Tell me there are people here fighting. There are people barely holding on. They're dressed up, but they 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 drug themselves in, they drag themselves into this building. And if you are that person, then maybe you had to cover up to be in here and you had to put your best face on to be in here and maybe shine up your nail pot, you know, your earrings and stuff and comb your hair for the first time in a couple of weeks just to be in here and to show face. Today, the Lord tells you that he is your strength. And he has seen your battles. He has seen your fight. And he's not going to forsake you. Today, he wants to affirm. Today, he wants to remind you. Today, he wants to impart the power of his strength and his spirit. Is there anyone feeling weak? To the pastors of this house, Pastor Yvonne, Daddy, we love you. We thank you for giving us this great opportunity and privilege to sit in your house, to sit in your labor, to stand in the blessing that you fought for and worked so hard for, and the sacrifices that you went through, and the tears cried just for this building to be open. Never, 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 ever underestimate Never underestimate your pastors. Never underestimate leadership. Never take for granted the chairs that you sit in and the place that you can so freely come to and worship God. You're sitting here because someone else fought for you. You're sitting here because someone was fighting. You're sitting here because someone else did not give up. You're standing in another person's battle. And so Pastor Yvonne and Ed, we thank you. And today I tell you, if you feel weak, pastors, God's spirit is strong. If you ever felt like your flesh was failing, God's spirit never will. Keep on fighting. The host of heaven is on your side. The great I am is on your side. Don't give up now. To the person who was about to give up last night or this morning, don't give up right now. God has a new strength for you. Today's February 9th, 2020. It was 11 years ago on this day that the pastors of the Dwelling Place Church stepped foot in Florida. We arrived in here with no experience, no money, no car, I didn't even have a driver's license. I learned to drive here. I can't parallel park if he paid. <laughs> My dad would be ashamed. He parallel parked without looking back. He just drive him to the side of the car. Stay in conversation with you. He whipped that thing, nay, 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 back. <laughs> and he's in. <laughs> but 11 years ago, we stepped foot here. It's been an amazing journey. We still believe, right, Dwelling Place Church, that our best days are ahead. It's still the beginning. Oh, I'm not giving up now. 
I'm not giving up now. I'm not giving up now. I'm not giving up now. After everything we've been through, I'm not giving up now. It's been a beautiful journey, but it's been a fight. It's been a fight, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Amen. Judges chapter 3, we're going to be reading from New King James Version. Musicians, you can stay with me too. Um, I do a closing prayer for the sermon, for the word. Judges 3, we're just going to look at verses 3 through 4. We'll be reading from the New King James Version. If you have Bible apps, you can turn to them now. If not, we have them on the screens behind us. Judges chapter 3. Beginning at verse 3. I'm sorry, beginning at verse uh, 1. one. Judges 3 at verse 1 and we'll go to 4. Amen? I didn't lose you, right? Start at verse 1, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, you don't have it? Okay. I'll, I'll read the first verses. I'm sorry, I messed Darren up back there. <laughs> Judges 3 beginning at verse 1 and then we'll go to 4. It'll pick up on the screens for you at verse 3, but first 2. Follow along in your Bibles. Ready? Word of God reads the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the church says, Amen. Amen. Now pay attention. This is so good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> when I came across this passage of Scripture, I was like, holy cow, you know how many times I've read this? It's not recent. This was a couple of years back when I read it, and it spoke volumes to me. And this is what the Lord placed on my heart. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. At verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. Oh my goodness. You mean to tell me that God left the enemies in front of me? God. Look, one more time. Now these are the nations which the Lord left. Which the Lord allowed. Which the Lord permitted. He allowed them to be there. Look, that he might test Israel by them. I know you're praying for it to get out the way and just move and you wish you could just fast it out. (laughs) But these nations, these enemies were left by the Lord that he might test Israel by them. That is all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. In other words, there were men who walked out of Egypt, who who went to battle with Moses and went to battle with Joshua. But there were some, some rookies. There was a rookie generation now standing in the promised land. And Moses fought his battles well. And Joshua fought his battles well. And now you had a generation who was sitting in the promised land who hadn't fought for nothing. The Lord said, I'm going to leave these nations here because there's some rookies who are bearing my name. And if you're going to represent the God of heaven, then you're going to need to know how to war. Hold on, hold on. It gets better. Verse 2, this was only, listen, listen to the word of God. This was only, the only reason why, look at God's thinking. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught. God did this so you could be taught to know to war. At least, at least those who had not formerly known it. So this is for the rookies. This is for all of us who just step into our Christian faith like, praise the Lord, I'm safe now. And the pastor's looking at you like, I'm so glad you're excited now. But there's another message about salvation. Yeah, Christ won the battle on the cross. But Jesus talked about picking up your own cross. And so the stuff that you're facing right now, some of the stuff that you're walking through right now, some of you are saying, I thought when I said yes to Jesus, everything was going to be peaches and cream. (laughs) There are some enemies. There are some situations that are lingering around just to teach you how to war. Verse 3, namely five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians and the Hivites who dwell in Mount Lebanon 
from Mount Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath, verse 4, and they were left that he might test or prove Israel by them to know whether or not they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. I had a fancier title coming in today, and then I went to the back and said, Ryan, just change that. We're going from just classy to ghetto. Here it is. Ready? Tell the person next to you, say, fight back. <laughs> fight back. Fight back. You guys may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God, we thank you for your word. We don't need to pray for your word. It's living, it's alive, it is powerful. We pray for our hearts, Lord, to receive your word. God, I pray right now that you will hide my flesh. May I be led by you, Lord. Use my words to speak to the hearts of the people that are here. I am limited in knowing them and their situations. But you, God, you know them well. You know them. You've been with them every step of the way. And I pray this word ministers to them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Fight back. <laughs> Fight back. My message is a little bit different. To be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not the pastor that's always talking about warfare and kicking down the devil's um, door, in all honesty. Uh, I don't dress in camo every Sunday. <laughs> I, that's just not me, typically, amen? But it does not mean that I do not understand that there is, there is, there is a war. I, I do understand clearly that there is, there, there is a fight. And so today God has pressed in my heart to talk about this. And so I pray that our church and Living Word Church, that we will receive this word. So once again, fight back. Don't ever go down without a fight. Uh, I'm ashamed to tell you that I've only been involved in one physical fight in my entire life. I wish I could say I used to fight every day and walk around the playground and just rough people up. But sadly, sadly, I was home and my, and my little sister Debbie actually kicked me through a closet. She was younger than me, but she had strong legs. She remembers that clearly. Not, was not the fighter. The fight that I, and the fight that I wasn't, it was out in the street. We're at the park. Some kid just started messing with me. We were playing basketball. Next thing you know, I was being thrown around in the street. We were, we were just tossing each other on cars, on steps. Uh, Pastor Michael, though, that dude was a fighter. Fighter. And I remember while this thing was happening, I'm like, why, Pastor Michael, are you and my friends just standing around in a circle? Why don't one of you just come in here and take care of this joke for me? And, and I remember just like, it was, everything's like spinning. It was just a wild fight. It's just spinning around and tossing and on the car. Next thing you know, the crowd just kept getting bigger. Even the crowd of my friends got bigger, but no one did anything. And I remember just wishing that they would stop and wishing. And Pastor Michael and my friends did not step in until the other guy's friends started throwing some shots. And then all of a sudden, Pastor Michael was not having that. <laughs> and he was like, okay. But I realize now the reason why Pastor Michael allowed my enemy to stand around was because he understood that I was a mama's boy. And Pastor Michael was a boy from the streets. And he knew that this fight, I needed to fight. Now, I'm, I'm not advocating fighting in the street right now. There is a spiritual application to this. I am going somewhere. But this is the only fighting story I got. And so I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. But I understood in that moment that Pastor Michael stood back and allowed me to engage with this person. Because I, 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 had, a, I had to fight this one on my own. There was some experience that Michael knew that I needed to toughen up as a young man. And he knew that there would be fights later on in my life. Maybe not physical ones, but knew life was going to fight me. Knew that I was going to go through hard situations. And my mother was not always going to be around me to protect me. And so I was out there, out in the street with Pastor Michael and my friends. He allowed my enemy to be there and for me to engage him to teach me how to war. This is exactly what the passage is saying in Judges chapter 3. 
There were some rookies who just stepped into the promised land, but God left their enemies in the promised land so that they can learn to war on their own. If you skip thousands of years later, the reason why the nation of Israel, so small, out there in the Middle East, surrounded through years of enemies' armies, the reason why they're still around right now is because they learned how to war. All these years later, it didn't matter how big the army, the, the enemies were, how uh, uh, well-trained the, the other nations were. Israel is still standing today because they learned how to war years ago. And for anyone who wants to go somewhere later on, for anyone who wants to do something for the Lord later on, if you ever want to be something in a couple of years, you're not going to get there if you don't know how to fight. You're not going to get there if you don't know how to war. You're not going to get there if you don't know how to resist. You're not going to get there if you don't know how to engage with the enemy. This is a fight. It's a beautiful journey. 11 years. Praise the Lord. Let's clap and eat cookies afterwards. But we can't sit down and tell you the stories of all the fights. Fights against the enemy. Fights against one another. Fights against self. Fights against the Lord. Fights against the enemy. Fights against demons. Fights against principalities. This is real. It is a fight. I want to remind you this. That uh, the Apostle Paul told young Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. This will not be on the screen, but just follow along. He said this to Timothy. Fight the good fight of faith. He didn't say walk and the path of roses? He didn't say go to the botanical garden of faith. He said fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There are weapons for us to fight with. And they're spiritual. Tell your neighbor, this is a fight. In Ephesians 6, Paul also wrote, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Therefore, stand, having your gird, uh, girds, uh, your waist girded with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all fiery, dar- fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It continues, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints this is a fight this is a fight I truly believe the reason why many of us even those walking in the faith are defeated or in the process of defeat is simply because many of us do not realize that we are in war We don't realize that this is a fight, and so then we walk through our lives thinking that this is going to be a walk in the park. And then you come against something, there's something that rises against you, there's a situation, there's a problem, there's tension, there's persecution, there's hatred, there's envy, there's jealousy, there's just life itself. There's sickness and disease, and there are uh, uh, things that upset you and things that don't go your way. This is a fight, and the reason why I believe half of us are defeated is because we have not come into this consciousness. And I believe this is the era of preaching the gospel sometimes. It's the era of preaching the gospel. It's the era of us preachers. It's the era of us pastors. That when we present the gospel, which is a saving gospel, which is a message of hope, it's a message of restoration, it's a message of freedom, it's a message of deliverance, it's a message of power, sometimes we forget to mention that it's also a battle, it's also a war, it's going to take perseverance, it's going to take resilience, it is a fight. And so when we tell people that God loves them, 
them and he wants to bless them. He has grace for them. We also need to mention that that God is going to stand with you and he's going to be with you and he's going to be with you in the fight. And so what happens when we get saved, God comes and he changes us on the inside. But this is the reality. When God changes you, it doesn't mean that the situations around you change. It doesn't mean that the people around you change. You got saved and they hate you. uh, Before that, now you're saved, they still hate you. You have problems at your job before you got saved. Now you said yes to Jesus, went in the baptismal, came out and thought that you were going to get to your job and they were going to have balloons of baptism for you. No, they hate you at your job still. You were having problems with your husband. You went to church by yourself. You received the word of God, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and your husband is still demon possessed. When God saves us, things change on the inside of us first. But guess what? You go back to the same realities. Let me be honest with you. We got scared to baptize people in our church. We started calling it the baptism curse, but we break it today in the name of Jesus. There's a superstition behind the scenes with the leaders. The baptism curse. How's the baptism curse? Because we realize this, that we preach the gospel message. We talk about the power of God's love. If you're a pastor in here and you know what I'm talking about, say amen later on. We preach the gospel message of Jesus Christ. People get so excited. They get saved. They smile. They take pictures. Put them on Instagram. We go and we record our baptism services. People get them baptized. And those same people that got baptized, within, two, within a month, they're gone. You never see them again. Why people don't come back? I'll tell you why. It's because once they come out of that baptism, after they come out of their salvation experience, the devil is outside. He's still there. He's in their home. He still has his power and his influence in the territory around them. And so here's what you need to understand. When you say yes to Jesus, God comes on the inside of you. And you need to learn how to fight. The church needs to teach the church how to fight so that when they go back home, they can resist the devil. And that's when he'll flee from them. He doesn't leave without a fight. He doesn't leave if you just let him walk in. You have to resist the devil. That's what James said. So we're in a fight. It's a fight. It's been a beautiful 11 years, but it's been a fight. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, verse 24 to 25. Said then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. That's a fight in itself. The first fight is within yourself, fighting against you and your own desires and your own will and your own dreams for yourself and your own passions within you and your own habits and your own ways and, and your own your own personality and your way of being. The first fight is yourself. That's why you get saved and it's 10 years before you change. You save but you still roll your eyes at people. You save and you're still not friendly. You save and you still gossip. You save and you still talk about people. You save and you still curse people while in the street. This is just a process. I hope to God you're, you're, I hope to God you're cursing a little bit less, cursing out a little less people. I, I pray you're on a process at least. At least you're on a process getting better. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. And look at this, and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Oh, this is a fight. This is a fight. This is a fight. You are saved. And you're washed. And you've been restored. And God wants to restore you. But it's going to be a fight. But Pastor Jesus went to the cross so I didn't have to. Absolutely he did. You did not have to pay for the penalty of your sin. But Jesus was very clear when he said, Oh, you're not going to take the cross that I took for you. But there is a cross that you are meant to carry. And so to follow me is to take up your own cross. Your salvation, that's mine. That was his fight to fight for you. But there's a fight that you need to fight yourself. Tell your neighbor, you need to fight. See, when we look at the cross, (coughs) when we look at the cross, it's a symbol, right? When we look at a cross, it's a symbol of grace for us. It's a symbol of God's goodness for us. It's a powerful symbol. There's a cross right behind me. Uh, The cross has become a symbol for the Christian, for the believer, for the church of God. When we look at it, it represents his restoration, his salvation, his sacrifice for us. It's a beautiful symbol. 
Uh, it's a symbol of his favor. It's a symbol of peace that belongs to us. But I want you to understand this. The cross for Jesus was no symbol. It's a symbol to us because of what he did. But for Jesus, the cross was a battle. The, cr- the cross for Jesus was not a symbol. It was an actual fight for Jesus himself. We look at crosses and say, praise the Lord. Jesus looked at the cross and he was in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, if it is possible, pass, take away this cup from me. He even had to fight himself to get to that cross. So the cross for Jesus was no symbol. It was a reality. It was a fight against self. It was a fight against his haters. It was a fight against the mockers. The cross was a fight against unbelievers. It was a fight against deniers. It was a fight against betrayers. The cross for Jesus was a reality of a fight and a battle. And on that cross, it would take, he would take on the sins of the world on his shoulders. That was a fight. And from that fighting place, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he said they were thirsty and they gave them vinegar in his mouth. It was a fight. It was a fight. So when Jesus says, pick up your cross, you got to know that there is a fight for you to fight. It's your fight. But Jesus knew that he knew it was his fight. Jesus knew that night when before uh, that night after that, when he was later to be betrayed by Judas with a kiss and Judas was going to identify him before the men that were coming to arrest him with a kiss. Judas betrayed him to identify him to the people who were coming to arrest him. The Bible tells us this, that when they came to arrest Jesus, that Peter drew out his sword and he cut off the ear of one of the men attempting to arrest Jesus. What Jesus was trying to do was trying to get them, uh, was trying to intervene. He was trying to intercede. He was trying to stop the arrest of Jesus. He was trying to stop them. He didn't realize that that was Jesus fight to fight and he had to. He had to face the cross. And so Jesus said this to Peter in Matthew 26, verse 52. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish or die by the sword. And look what he says in verse 53. Jesus says this. I know, Peter, right now you're trying to stop this. I know, Peter, you're trying to get in. You're being a little better than Pastor Mike right now. And you're trying to step in and help me while I'm about to get jumped. I understand that. He goes, but Peter, don't get it twisted. Do you He goes, do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? But Peter, this is my fight. But Peter, this is my battle. How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that this must happen? So Peter, this is my fight. I know you want to step in and save the day. And I know you want to be there for me, bro. But this is my fight to fight. And if I wanted to, I could have snapped my fingers. And 12 legions, thousands upon thousands of angels would be here right now covering my back. But that's not how this is meant to go down. Because there's something that happens when you fight for yourself. There's something powerful that happens to you when you engage yourself. And let me tell you this now, people. Here's another message that we forget to preach, Pastor. We tell everyone, I am here for you. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Call me anytime. (laughs) Tell me what you need. And it's a beautiful, heartfelt offer. But let me tell you, no one, even within their own power and capacity, and ability can be there for you in all of your fights. They can't always be there. Pastor Yvonne can't always show up and rebuke a demon for you. And Pastor Ed can't always pray for you. And Pastor Tanya can't always be with you to walk you through. We try to be there and we try to make time. But look how many of you there are. (laughs) And just to be quite honest, we got our own fights too. Any leaders in the house of God got their own demons to fight, their own self to deny, their own demons to rebuke out of their own children. I can't always come to you for your kids. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean that we're not here for you. It doesn't mean we won't pick up the phone call. But what it means is this. If we're going to be children of the Lord, if we're going to be disciples of God, you need a Lord warfare for yourself. You don't know how to pray for your own house. You don't know how to take oil. 
take that holy oil and put it on your own head and say, peace be still. Greater is he that is in me. There's me that is in the world. Oh, devil, you messing with my daughter. Oh, I see you. I rebuke you. Oh, pastor, you can't make it. Don't worry, I'll take on this joker by myself. It might take a little bit longer. I might have to fight a little bit longer. I might have to punch a little bit harder. But devil, I'm coming for you. You're not having my house. You're not having my home. You're not having my finances. You're not having my peace. You're not having my life. You're not having my children. You're not having my career. You're not having my dreams. You're not having my vision. Man, you got to learn how to pray for yourself sometimes. That's the message that we, we, we leave out. We only say we'll pray for you. But we also got to say when we present the gospel, you're going to have to learn how to pray for yourself too. I'll fight with you. But when I can't be there, you're going to have to fight for yourself. The devil doesn't put it on hold because your buddies didn't show up. As a matter of fact, he'll look for you when you're by yourself. He'll look for you when you're on vacation. He'll look for you when you're out of town. He'll come after you when you know the pastors have turned off their cell phone. And here come the thoughts and here comes the nagging. This is a reality. It's a fight. Youth, you got to learn how to fight. I thank God that... The leaders are doing an awesome job teaching them how to fight for themselves. You know how you know you're doing a good job at pastoring your church when they start calling you less? Pastor, you need to preach, Pastor. But if we hand feed you everything, if we spoon feed you everything, if you come into church and it's five years later and you're still drinking a warm bottle with pink strawberry quick. I'm sorry you ain't chasing no enemies away. You ain't gonna walk into the promised land and possess what belongs to you. I love strawberry quick. I tell my mom I will not be up to in the spirit, I got a sword and a bottle pink quick on my side. Sword in one hand, strawberry milk in the other. I'm coming for the devil. The cross is yours. Keep on fighting. But I do want to tell you this, that the battle that you're in, the fight that you're in the middle of, was no surprise to the Lord. It's not. That's what I do want to reaffirm you. And maybe you can't talk to someone about it. Maybe that person doesn't have time even to hear the fight or the struggle that you're in the middle of. Maybe you don't even have the courage to share the real battle that you're facing right now. And maybe it took you by surprise. Maybe it came out of nowhere. Anyone has a battle came out of nowhere. And the crazy thing is it's like, one fire starts here, then another fire breaks out over there. It's like, good Lord. There's a battle here. There's a fight over there. There's chaos in front of me, chaos around me. There's something that sometimes they just break out all at the same time. It's like the same when hell... What was that saying? I forgot it. All hell breaks loose. There we go. Meaning that it all happens at the same time. Oftentimes you're... You know, it's never you just got a problem with one kid. If you got three of them, you got a problem with four. All of them and the, all of them and the cousin that came over. <laughs> you and your marriage, it's just a little friction right there. And there's bill problems at the same time not helping. There's always. But this takes God by no surprise. And the battles that Peter himself would face too with a battle to deny Christ or to stand with him. He picked up the sword in that garden. After that, he put it away and ran. <laughs> but Jesus knew. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, it shows something powerful. Jesus says this to Peter. He says, and the Lord said, this is before, this is moments before Jesus is taken away and crucified. It says this, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, speaking to Peter, Indeed, Satan has asked for you. He asked for you. Let me tell you this. 
Saiyan can't come if he hasn't asked for you. He can't. He couldn't go wreak havoc on Job because he felt like if he had to ask permission. He had to, listen, he had to have permission even to be in the territory. Remember Judges 3. The Lord allowed their enemies to stay in the land. They were there by God's allowance. So what's taking place, believe it or not, it may be difficult, but it's not without God's allowance. It maybe took you by surprise and it came out of nowhere to you, but God was like, no. And God has allowed it. But look what he says. He goes, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you like we. But he says, but I got a plan, Simon. He goes, but I have prayed for you. Oh, that's crazy. I know, I know what it's like to pray to God and I know what it's like to get on my knees and pray to him. And, but this picture of Jesus getting on his knees to pray for me. This picture of God himself dressing himself up in flesh and getting on his knees to pray for me. He said, I know Satan's coming and I know the enemy is coming and I know he's got plans. I'm going to allow him, but I have prayed for you already. I'm going to allow this. Why? Because you got to learn how to fight. You got to learn warfare. You got to know how to stand and resist the devil. So I have prayed for you, Peter, and I am with you. Because I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. So the person who's in the fight right now, you need to know that God is in heaven with Jesus and he has prayed for you that you do not fail. Thank you, Jesus. So I know you might feel alone, but I want to let you know, prayers don't just go up to heaven. Prayers come down. The, the, the heavenly host is interceding on your behalf so that you don't fail. So this is why don't go down without a fight. Don't waste Jesus' time of intercession for you by surrendering and giving in. Fight another day. Don't give up what God has blessed you with. If God has blessed you and said, well, I pray for the Lord. He gave me a beautiful wife. Then fight for that when things get hard. Because Jesus has interceded for that. When you ask God for a kid and now things are hard with the kid, fight for it. Don't give in. Why? Because Jesus has interceded for you in advance. Before saying when to push your buttons, he had to ask God. And God said, go ahead. My daughter, my son, they know how to fight. When he asked for Job, Job God was like, okay, go ahead. He said, you looking for someone to poke? Have you considered my servant Job? So he's like, oh, that's a good idea. I did it. Say it was on his way. I can imagine Jesus getting on his knees, praying for Job before it touched him. So before whatever has touched you has touched you, Jesus has already prayed that your faith does not fail you. And that's what he says. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. The truth about this passage is that after this moment, Peter will have an opportunity to take a stand for Jesus or to deny him. And the way the story goes is he denied him. But Jesus prayed. He said, I pray that your faith does not fail. It's funny. He didn't even say, I pray for you, Peter. He said, I pray for your faith. You're going to fail, boy. <laughs> so as a matter of fact, before this rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. But I have prayed that your faith does not fail. Let me tell you, there are moments when you will fail, but your faith on the inside is still hanging on. You ever have one of those moments where you failed and, 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 and what you shouldn't have done, you did, and you're like, oh, I'm not doing it again, but God, I need you. That's your faith holding on. That's your faith holding on. And God, I make this so bad and I don't even know what to do. And it's your palm right now. But God, I'm looking to you. That's your faith that's holding on. And Peter did deny him. But Jesus said, I pray for you that your faith does not fail. Faith will always bring you back home. So that when you do fail, Peter, your faith knows how to bring you back to God. And then he says this. So that Peter, afterwards... He goes, when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Because hmm. there was going to be a moment of denial. But then there was going to be a moment of where he would stand back up again for Jesus. Yes. And Jesus said, when you return to me and you get that stance back and you get that fight back, then you go and you strengthen your brothers. You, in other words, you go back and tell them that there's going to be a fight. You let them know that they're going to have to war. But you let them know that when they fail, 
that faith will always bring them back to me. So, so from your battles and from your wars, Peter, and from your experience, you need to speak this to your brothers, to the other disciples, so that they know how to get to me when they fail. Today I want to tell the person who has failed, faith will bring you back. Faith will bring you back. And today I want to apologize for every sermon that you heard of a message of Christ, but without the message of your own cross. Today I want to apologize for every preacher who spoke to you about the blessings of the Lord, but kept silent about the battles. Today I want to tell you that blessed people who even step into blessed places still have battles as well. This is what God spoke in Deuteronomy to, to Moses and the children of Israel. He said, go into the land that I have given you. In other words, you are my people. You are blessed. There's a land that's blessed that belongs to you. But he said this, go in and go, go into the land that I have given to you and possess it. You can step into it and you can be there. But there's a difference about possessing even the place that you are standing in. And this is the situation of many of you and you haven't realized it. You're saying, how come if I'm the child of God, I'm blessed by him? And how come if I'm doing his will, I'm in the right place at the right time. So I'm standing in a blessed place. How come I still have so much hell here? It's because you're standing in a place of blessing and you are a blessed child of God. But there's some possession. There's some things you still got to fight. God, he told the children of Israel, I'm giving you the land. It's yours. But you still need to possess it. In other words, there are going to be some enemies in the territory. Standing in what belongs to you. And my callings over your life, and my blessings over my life, and my anointing is over your life, and my power is in you, and the place belongs to you, and it is holy ground, but there are some enemies that are there that you're going to have to fight if you really want to experience what God has for you. It's funny, it's like we pray to get things, and then when we get them, we're like, praise the Lord. You know how many people passed and prayed for me? I really want this house. Okay, let's get the whole team and pray for you in the house you want. And we go into fasting, we go into prayer, and then it just takes a little bit of while that God opens the door for you, and it's beautiful. Let's do a housewarming party. We do a housewarming party for you, and we buy you things, spoons and blankets and towels, and it's wonderful, and you give us pizza and finger food. <laughs> and it's a wonderful time. And it's a wonderful time. But you know how many people, it doesn't even take a year, where they're talking about, oh, this is struggling too much, and I don't even know, I don't know how I'm going to do this, and I don't know if this was the right decision, and I don't know, and I might have to sell the house. The devil is alive. If you knew God gave you the house, just because you have a battle with the house, doesn't mean for you to walk out the house. If God gave it to you, then fight for it. If God gave it to you, manage your money better. If God gave it to you, fast for the house, anoint the house. Don't go down without a fight. God, I need a man. Pastor, how many times you heard that? I'm looking for a man of God. God, I'm looking for a woman. A woman. The Holy Ghost filled, anointed by the Lord. And now you get her, and there's a big wedding, $20,000 wedding, limos, photographers, drones capturing everything. <laughs> and it doesn't take a year before you go into your pastors or someone you really trust, and I don't know if I want to be with them anymore. My God in heaven, don't go down without a fight. You know how many fights me and Pastor Tanya had with each other and how we had a fight to keep up with one another? You know how many fights we had with the church that God called us and we knew we were called and we knew we had buildings and spaces and we couldn't pay rent, but we had a fight? Yes. Fight for it. Amen. Oh my goodness. Help me. So bless people step into blessed places and still have battles. The enemy wants you to think that you're not blessed. He wants you to think that you're not in the right place. This is why it's so important that before you do something, take something, so important, before you get married, buy a house, before you have the baby, pray and say, God, is this your will? And the reason why is because when you get there, I'm telling you from experience, 
even the best the blessed place or the place uh, of blessing or the thing that you get in as as a blessing there's going to be a battle there and hear me if you don't have at the foundation of that blessing of that place that the lord brought you there you do not even stand any chance if you can't look back and say wow god i know you gave this to me you don't even got to fight you know what has kept me through all these years all the battles that we faced all the trials there's so many trials behind the scenes you guys will never see you never know it's just like your very own life I'm not trying to act like I have more battles than you. In your personal life, no one, the person next to you, behind you, they don't know everything you experienced. They don't know what you fought. They don't know what you've been through to get here. They don't know the years of fighting yourself, fighting other people, fighting adversity, fighting setbacks, fighting terrible things, sickness, disease, deaths, problems that you didn't cause. You just uh, you were just at the, at, at the receiving end of maybe someone else's bad decision. No one knows all of that stuff. No one will ever know. But I do want to tell you this. That God is fighting with you. But you got to know before you go and step into the land and claim that it's yours. Make sure that it was God. Because I'm telling you, it's very hard to hold on. If you went and bought that house with uncertainty. And try to act like it was God. It's very hard to say, oh, God called you to do something that he did. Because when things get hard and then you go look back and you try to pull up that memory when God spoke to you and it's not there, oh, it's going to be very hard to fight. And everything we've gone through, oh, it's been hard to hold on sometimes. But the only thing that has kept me, kept my wife, kept some of the people in our lives to this, to pursuing this vision, is that they had a moment where God spoke to them about the vision. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's just be honest. This is why so many people come and go from a church. And that's okay. You know how many people have come and gone? Hundreds. I'm not even playing with you. Imagine if you could retain every person that walked through your door that God saved. We have a lot of people in church. But if you don't ever have that moment for yourself when God spoke to you about you or about a thing or about a place, when things get hard because they're going to be battles there, then you have no anchor to hold you yeah, there. That's right. So every time things get hard in this church or hard with myself and I fail, like God, you pray for my faith. And he has. It's the only reason why I'm here, not because of my own strength history, but me knowing I heard his word. But if you don't have that word, you cannot pull up a word that God never spoke. So you need to hear God speak to you. So I tell you this, the cross isn't to kill you, and the battle isn't to break you. Your cross is to make you courageous, and your battle is to make you brave. Why? Because God needs warriors in his kingdom. For us to do the will of God. For us to reach other people who are struggling. For us to preach the gospel of message and when those people go through their adversity and their hell, you need to stand in front of them as a warrior. You need to stand before them as a soldier. You need to stand before them as a person of war who knows war with God. You need to be able to stand there with courage and with boldness and tell them, be strengthened in the Lord. Why? Because of all the battles you went through, because of all the wars that you faced for yourself, for everything that you went through and God helped you to survive, God needs you to be a help to other people, but you can't help people in their battles. You never faced your own. God needs warriors. We can't take this city if we're not warriors. You can't take this if you got soft skin. You can't do God's will if you're easily offended. You can't accomplish the purpose of God if you can't forgive people. Why do you think he said to forgive those that persecute you and don't do harm to them? Because there's no way you're going to touch the world. There's no way you're going to be impactful. There's no way you're going to achieve anything. 
if you haven't been tested for battle. God, you're trying to kill me. No. He's trying to prove you. God, what you doing to me right now? He's trying to make you strong. Now to everyone that survived some tough battles, to everyone that's been in the fight, and you thought you were going to die, but then you came out on the other side, all of those people have a testimony. They have a testimony, not that it felt good, not that it felt right. It was hellish and they cried and they didn't know how they were going to make it. But their testimony now is that they are stronger than they ever were before. Let me tell you something. God does not engage you in a battle without his intention to leave you with something from that battle. There's something you learn about God in the battle. There's something you learn about yourself in the battle. There's something that you learn about the kingdom of God when you fight. So that when the enemy comes around again, he said, choke Are you only going to back up? Are you going to go down without a fight? You trying to take me out a couple of years ago, but I'm here to fight right now. Oh, you're coming after my daughter? Oh, no, I'm going to teach my baby girl how to pray. You're coming after something that belongs to me? Peter, go back and strengthen your brethren. Because you survived some storms and you faced your own battles. There's no way we're going to be ministers of God and you don't know how to fight. You don't know how to endure. Every time you come into the church and someone offends you, you walk out. Oh, give me a break. Give me a break. You want to leave? Okay, go ahead. I want battle-tested people by my side. I want people that got faith by my side. You got scars and I got scars too. That means we're a force. That means we're a force. That means we're a force to be reckoned with and the enemy comes against us. It sucks when you go through the battle with someone, but afterwards you're so glad they survived. I'm so glad we survived together. And then you can help all those other people who are coming in with their strawberry milk. <laughs> Pastor's not warm enough. <laughs> Another 30 more seconds, please. <laughs> and that's when you say, oh my God, I know. I'm so sorry. I know you're going through a lot. But I promise you, God's going to get you through. In another 30 seconds, it'll be warm. Watch God, he's going to show up. Then they come up, oh, it's so warm now. I feel so much better. They're like, good, good, good. And they grow little by little. Little by little. Little by little. But you got to fight. You got to fight. People come into our church and they see the Dwelling Place Church and like, wow, they got a lot of young people in there. A lot of battle-tested people up in there. A lot of people who know warfare up in there. A lot of people who are resilient where they didn't let the offenses of someone else stop them from doing what God called them to do. Jesus said this, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Your peace is in him. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Apostle Paul said this. Romans 8.31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, if God is for you, who can be against you, against us? Verse 35, he said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, anyone in trouble? Hardship, anyone in hardship? In persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. In verse 37 he said, no, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the height nor the depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a fight, it's a fight, it's a fight. But there's nothing that's going to separate God from us. When you get salvation, you're being freed from the hands of the enemy. The prison gates are being opened and you're running to the Lord. And it's beautiful. The children of Israel knew that. They walked out of Egypt. The chains fell off their hands and the prison doors opened and they, they were on their way. Moses, where are we going? We're going to worship the Lord in the wilderness. Wonderful. I've been waiting for this. 
They left with the spoils of Egypt, gold, silver, that garments. I can imagine the ladies walking out like, hey, I am free. The guys carrying the bag of gold in the back, like, come on, sweetie. I'll build you a house, sweetie. And they were rejoicing because they finally experienced salvation, deliverance. But here's the thing. Satan is not going to let you dance in victory and just sit back and watch you celebrate what God has done. In Exodus 14, verse 5 and 7, it says this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? Pharaoh right now is symbolically a type of Satan. After you walk out of his prison and you enter salvation, Satan does think about it. He says, man, what have we done? We let the Israelites go and has lost their services. That is exactly what the enemy thinks about you. Man, I can't believe I let her go to church. She got saved that day. What have I done? I have lost her services to me. So he, look, so this is what Satan does. He said, he's stupid. So, so he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of his best chariots along with all their other chariots of Egypt with officers over them. And you know what he did? He pursued them. Some of the hell, some of the fight you got right now is because why? You walked out of the enemy. Now you're trying to look for the Lord. And now you feel like all hell is breaking loose. All. It's not a coincidence. He just realized that he lost you and your services. He's also afraid of what you can become against him later on. So he's got to make an effort. And this is, when he, this is why he attacks people after they're saved. This is why he attacks them after their baptism experience. And so many people never come back and then they're defeated. Why? Because he chased after them. He came with his chariots and his fighting men. And so you know what you got to do when Satan comes to war? You got to be ready to war back. But I want to tell you this. This takes God by no surprise. If you recently were saved, recently baptized, trying to do things right in your life with God right now. And there was that moment of, wow, everything's beautiful. But now there's a moment of like, oh my God, chaos. You feel like one foot in, one foot out. You feel the devil coming after you. He's behind you. You hear his chariots. He pursued the children of Israel and they ran out into the wilderness and then they got in front of the sea. And now they're like, oh my God, we're going to die. They start telling Moses, why did you bring us out here that you should have just left us in Egypt? Were there not enough graves in Egypt that we could have just died there? Moses is like, I don't even know what to do. Anyone ever felt that pressure? Trying to go forward in the Lord, but there's something in front of you. And then you hear Satan behind you, chasing after you. Well, here's the thing. What Israel forgot when they were standing in front of that sea was that before, before, Pharaoh made up his mind to pursue after them. Even that, the words, the verse that we just read, God told Moses to tell the people that. He said, you tell them that Pharaoh's going to change his mind about you. You let the people know that he's coming. See, Jesus didn't preach a message of deliverance. God didn't preach a message of deliverance to Moses, to the people, without them knowing that Pharaoh was going to come after them and there was going to be a fight. Those were the words that God told to Moses to tell the people. That was verses 5 through 7. But what they forgot was what God said in verse 4. And now I want to read you verse 4. This took God by no surprise. As a matter of fact, verse 4 of Exodus 14 says this. God said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And he will pursue them. But don't forget, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. In other words, Pharaoh's right around your space. Don't worry, I have allowed him. Nation of Israel, Judges 3, all oh, there's people in the land there. I've allowed them. But through this battle, I will get the glory. And I will test you and I will prove you. These are three things that the Lord is testing you for. I prayed about them. Here they are, and I'm going to close with these. Why are you going through your fight? 
while you're going through this battle. No, it's not without the Lord's doing. He's allowed it. Maybe the enemy asked for you, but he's allowed it. Why? Because he's trying to do something in you through it. Number one, he's proving your loyalty. Don't talk about being loyal to anyone if you haven't gone through a battle with them. Don't talk about your loyalty to your family, but you don't even talk to your family. Don't talk about being loyal to your church if you're not there for your church. Don't talk about being loyal to a friend if you're not there for your friend or when things get hard, you disappear. There's no loyalty there. He knew the children of Israel would be able to worship God while they were standing in a land flowing with milk and honey. But he wanted to know would they still worship him in the middle of a battle if they would trust him and obey him. So one, our battles are for us to prove our loyalty to God. God is for you. He's not against you. And, and, and his word says that there's nothing that's going to separate him from us. But what is separating you from him? He needs loyalty. This fight's about loyalty to God. Can you trust him? Can you still show up? Can you still worship? Can you still pray? Can you still say, Lord, I trust you? So this is what God, he's trying to build loyalty in you. Number two, he's training you to war. There's something about battles that teach you how to pray, teach you how to fast, teach you how to intercede, teach you how to show up. And the sad truth is we won't pray until we go through some hard things. We won't talk to God until it gets a little difficult. And God says, you know what? If it takes that much for you to communicate with me, I'll leave some jokers in your land. I'll allow some situations to teach you how to war, to teach you how to fight, to teach you how to pray, to teach you how to fast. I need warriors. So proving your loyalty, training you for war. And here's the last one, ready? And I heard God say this to me. He wants to make you an asset. He has no time for you to be a liability in this season. A person that doesn't know how to fight in war is a liability. A person that won't pray when things get hard is a liability. A person that won't fast when the when God Come calls on. fasting, you're a liability. Jesus. A person that doesn't know how to war and the house is under attack is a liability. Jesus. Now you're a distraction. Now people gotta carry your way. Wow. Now people gotta move you out of the way. Now people gotta help you. You can't help the fight. So I know you feel like you're dying in your battle right now, but no, God's proven your loyalty. He's training you to war, and he wants to turn you into an asset. Oh my God, if you could survive, if we could have survived whatever battle we're in right now, the asset that we become to one another. I wanna know that when I gotta go to war, I got someone who's not a liability on my side. But I got someone that's gonna march forward with me, take the front lines, take positions, get up early if we have to and pray, stay up late if we have to and pray, fast for three, seven days if we have to. I wanna know that, hey, TDP Church, I wanna know when we step into our other building that you have gone to war, you have proven your loyalty, you are well prepared for battle, and you are an asset. I've never said this. Oh my goodness, I've never said this from the pulpit. But I pray if you're not, don't come over to the other side with us when we go. If you're not ready for more, don't cross over when we make the next move for the next move. If you don't want to pray, then don't come over next time. There's plenty of other churches that don't care if you pray or not. But at our church, what we want to do for the vision that God has, for the we need battle-tested people. We need loyal people. We need assets, not liabilities. Not to live and work church. I don't know how many people come here. There are times where our attendance went up and down. And I thank God for the seven loyal people that stood. I thank God for the seven prayer warriors we had. I thank you for the seven assets we had at the time. 
that believe in the vision more than we believe in ourselves, that we protected one another and protected the vision of the church because we knew that God's plan was bigger than us. Living Word Church, your pastor needs you well-trained for battle. I don't care who's here, who's not here. Let me tell you, sometimes it's better to have a little than a lot if a lot is liability. When we went to build the tent last week, I said, I need someone who can follow instruction who doesn't have 30 extra parts when they're done building furniture. I said, I know who I can ask for that. I've gotten smart over the years, Pastor Yvonne. I only tell special projects to certain people. Because too many people on a project that don't know what they're doing is simply a liability. And so I said, I'm going to call Matt because he's a worker and he knows how to process it. And I'm going to call Brother Chris because he never has extra parts. <laughs> I've seen Chris follow instructions. I might not ask him to design creatively something. I might ask Josh for that. I'll have Josh design it and I'll have Chris build it. I've learned over time. So I asked Matt, I said, hey Matt, how many people do you need? We got a big old tent. He said, Pastor? I seriously just need me, Chandler, and maybe one other person. He said, too many people on this project. No bueno. He was trying to tell me those people are liabilities in that situation. He said, when you take it down, get all the people you want. It's another story. That's why they can follow instructions. So sometimes you're better with a little at first. You're better with a stronger group that might be smaller. Do not be phased by how many people you have right now. Sometimes God, it's not your Satan doing the sin, it's God doing the sin. Sometimes he'll cut you back, he'll prune us. He'll prune us to the loyal. He'll prune us to the well-trained for war. He'll prune us till we find the asset. And once we have that, then we can build the kingdom of God. How many people say amen? Amen. How many people say amen? Stand to your feet. And now I tell you this. You were meant to win. Why did I tell you fight back? Because you were meant to win. This is why you got to fight. Because you're meant to win. We're meant to win. We're meant to win. We're meant to win. Today I pray that you receive that word. Fight back because you were meant to win. This battle, this battle, you're not in it alone. The Lord is on your side. The Lord is before you. The Lord is before you. The Lord is before you. Whatever's in front of you, God has left in front of you just to train you for war. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you because you're in this place. I thank you, Lord, because today I publicly declare that I trust you. I trust and I tell you, thank you for this beautiful moment. God, I want to thank you, Lord God, not just for doors that you open, but for doors that you close. Because when you close the doors to direct us to another, I'm glad you closed the doors on the camp for a couple of weeks so we could have a tent service out in the wilderness and worship you. And I'm glad, Lord, that you closed the doors on the campgrounds so we could be in Living Word Church today and worship God and release the water over this house and release blessings. God, you're never taken by surprise. May your people know that right now. I want you to know, whatever you are facing is no surprise to the Lord. And whatever bad has taken place, maybe it's the hands of the enemy, because God doesn't do the harm. God doesn't do the wrong. It's the hand of the enemy, but he can't do it without the allowance of God. And if God allowed it, it's because deep down inside, he knows that you can bear it. And through pain, through battle, through fight, through sweat and tears, through sacrifice. He's building your character. He's building your character. He's building your loyalty. He's training you for war. And he's making you an asset and valuable in his kingdom. Is there anyone that's going to keep on fighting?